0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram Kipalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, this is some of my best friends are capitalists. I'm here with Rav Nosanotaglik from Ashkelon, and we are uh, on our way, um, sort of halfway through, I guess, of our, uh, of our Purim uh, interpretations, uh, trying to put the key characters of the Megillah into the perspective that the uh, Chachmei Asayid will look at them and hopefully something that even those that aren't necessarily so well-versed in Kabbalistic thought, it can somehow enhance the story of Megillah Esther in new ways. So we've done uh, Achashverosh and Mordechai, Achashverosh Vashti and Mordechai. We now come to Esther. Um, so Nelson, I know that uh, in some ways your exploration about Esther and how we need to l- look at her and understand her role um, is goes over some familiar material for people who have been listening to this podcast, but I think you have a, a different spin somewhat to that. So why don't you give your uh, reveal? Parshas
1: of Aira, you know, where. Baruch who reveals his name Yud Vavke to Moshe and it seems to be a monumentous occasion. And what makes this occasion so special? You know, what's what's really the difference between knowing this, you know, knowing this name of Hashem and knowing that name of Hashem? So um I guess we'll start with the Ibn Ezra's prat, which is brought down by the Ramban. And and the, the Ibn Ezra says, Look, you know, the the Ovis, they had a concept of of kel um, shakai, which means to say that the that Hakadosh Baruch was capable of doing doing great miracles for them. He wants to emphasize the miracles that Hashem did for the Avos were great and amazing things, but they were done through a process of adjusting or overriding the celestial spheres, which in the terminology of of the medievals and the ancients and something along the lines of um, adjusting the possibilities or the probabilities that are inherent to the natural order in order to make things happen in a way that is more premeditated and more pers- purposeful so if you're you know if you're at tzaddik and you you're in trouble and then suddenly just something happens to come together to work just right just for you and you know that this is not you know, you know, yeah, certainly certainly have the intuition that this is not what is the standard event that's supposed to happen according to the according to the natural order of things. So you would feel or you would know that that this is Hashem intervening in your life as an as an act of love and providence for you. And then you know the difference between that and, and uh and the Madrega Meshraveinu who was you know who received Hashem's name Yud Kei Vavke is that Yud Kei Vavke is even greater and less explicable miracles and those miracles that actually violate uh, any natural order and are therefore like uh, objectively miraculous and inexplicable in any other way than to say it's a miracle it was done out of love for by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for the people who are the recipients of of that you know, of that miraculous
0: intervention. Nate, let me let me just pause for a second.
1: Uh, is is laying out like three levels of reality. There's one that's a purely natural world in which miraculous things don't happen. You could have either uh, things that are preordained by the natural order or things that happen randomly. And then you have a secondary level where where you have a a certain intrusion of the miraculous into the natural order. And then you have a you know the the greatest level let's say the level of Yudke where there's a where there's an overwhelming um overwhelming disruption of the natural order by something which is which is higher than it. And the point of the the these two additional um forms of intrusion into the natural order is because this is how you express the relational access, so to speak, between a Kaddish Baruch Hu and between somebody who is having a relationship with a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And um, the more philosophically inclined um, did not think much of miracles because they didn't think much of any other reality besides the natural order. In other words, why do you need to have something intruding into or overriding the natural order? And once again, they simply viewed human beings as being embedded in the same natural order that governs everything. But the idea that a human being, by virtue of having a soul or by virtue of being human, could initiate a relationship with the creator and then along this relational axis, you would have something that, violates or supersedes or or at least filters through the natural order of things so you would have the basic you know the basic concept of the world or the basic reality which is natural order only and then you have the the um the intrusion of the relational access into the natural world and then you have the overriding of the natural world by the intrusion That's your that's your three madrigues according to the um, according to Ibn Ezra. Uh, The Ramban and that location uh, says of the Ibn Ezra that he's first of all he's entirely correct, but he is like someone who prophesizes but does not know the nature of his prophecy. In other words, it's like the Ibn Ezra is saying right, but he hasn't quite gotten it, and you wonder what the Ibn Ezra didn't get, and what can the Ramban add to that? So the Ramban adds something which is almost almost banal, like you know the way that it seems is that is they just says, look, you know, the Madrig of the Avis was was that they got their prophecy from a unpolished mirror, from an unclear mirror, you know, and Moshe Rabbeinu, who was getting his prophecy, he was from the shiny mirror, the polished mirror, the you know, it's aspaklaria. Right. And you kind of wonder. So, what is the what is the Ibn really accomplished by by taking those two metaphors which he finds in Chazal and, and stating them as, as being part of this, you know, being part of this, um, you know, structure? Right. What is the Ebenezer, What has what has the Ramban actually accomplished here? Um, and another thing that that you when he always needs to remember with the Ramban is a little bit later on, at the end of Parshas but he he um, advances his his idea, which is very critical to him because he thinks that this is like Shia side of all of, of Kabbalah Kula, that everything is miraculous. It's not just it's not just Order, you know, natural order is is, is somehow uh, is somehow overridden by something miraculous. Is everything is miraculous, even if it looks completely natural, it's actually miraculous. And so we're going to actually have to question why does the ramban see the need to go that extra length? So what's really, you know, what's what's really holding all these this bill uh, together, right? So,
0: and perhaps you want to say something. Give me- people have studied Kabbalah. Uh, in fact, you know, many of them, their starting point is the Ramban al-Watayur. um There have been many of the original, um, you know, uh, the Spanish Kabbalistic works were sort of commentaries on the uh, on the Ramban. Um, before, you know, the Zohar became so prevalent and popular, um, whether it was Abasula or Yitzhut Minaku and others, um, it was Birim in the Ramban. So the Ramban we know is, um, in many ways, uh, like he says, you know, the Ebenezer hits on things from a philosophical standpoint, but doesn't, as he says, Ramon says, he doesn't really get it completely because he has not been initiated into Chochmas HaSoyed. You know, to, to call the Ebenezer, I think a, you know, a strict uh, Aristotelian or rationalist is, is incorrect. Um, no, he was yeah, not, yeah, and you can see that. You can see that you know he didn't speak the same language as the Rambam's Mardin or or other things, but he was sort of like you know a um you know he had his own sort of mystical conception of things, but was not privy to the real McCoy things that the Ramban was from Rabbi Tzaddi or other people who other, uh, you know, who gave that gave that gave forth that tradition, um, but I think the Ramban is a savvy commentator, and he knows that. Um, again, there isn't uh, svarim printed the way they are today, but he knows that most of his his readership or the people he thinks he's reaching have probably made have availed themselves of Eben Ezra. Um, And therefore, the Ebenezer can be a very crucial tool. Um, It definitely helps the Ramban in Parshana Samikra. I mean, he, Ramban has a lot of fun with Ebenezer. Um, And the Ebenezer himself has opened up such a, you know, a huge area of, of thinking. So I think, you know, as the Ramban is trying to sort of hint at many of the core Kabbalistic principles, which he's going to sort of like enclose in, you know, his own language that's going to have to be unpacked. Um, He's happy to use Ebenezer as his bridge to get there. Um, Especially, look, you know, in the Ramban's Akdama, you know, he talks about, um, you know, the yin and the yang, the Rashi and the Ebenezer, and he talks about his ava Musteris for Ebenezer with Techochos Maguba. Right? He, right. Talks, he talks about how he's, he's going to castigate him, but as, as my mentor, Dr. Lipschitz, Dr. Abram, Dr. Abram, uh, Dr. Rabbi Abram Lipschitz, who uh, wrote uh, a number of uh, magnificent works, one of them, Iyunim Ebenezer, and another a, a great work on Rabbeinu Bachia, has shown that the Ramban actually criticizes Rashi more often than he does Ebenezer in terms of numbers. But in terms of the forcefulness and sort of what he's trying to protect, he seems to, uh, you know, reserve you know a lot of barbs and arrows for him.
1: And I think yes, part of it,
0: is- I, and I think part of it is because Deben Ezra was a place that people went to and were sort of like, you know, like feeling around in the thick fog of of ideas. And sort of like grasping something, and that's why I think, you know, I think that's what what the Ramban is is, is trying to do. Um, uh, you know, yeah. he's trying, and, and and but it really is all part and parcel of of what appears to be okay. This is just this is me doing my pshat work, like you know, like he would prepare a sugya. In the Talmud, it's okay. Well, here's Tarashi, here's Soswism, and here's my critique, and we're going to get there. So he sort of does a similar job, but I think here, especially as you point out, the pieces at the end of Parshas Bo and other places, um, the Ramban is setting everything up for, you know, the big idea, which I think he expected it to be revisited often and mining mm-hmm. it. Now, before you get on to what you want to build out of this in terms of Hester Hesterponim and in terms of the Yesodos, um, I do want to tell you that that um, my um, learning of the Ramban was affected by a lecture that I heard from Chaim Salvachik, he should be gesund, the Rav Yesheber son. Mm-hmm um mm-hmm. professor hayim Salvechik, as he's known and uh, he which surprisingly because you know he mentioned how although the rambam was the girsa de yankas uh, of his father the great joseph dove Salvechik of boston because he it's you know he he sort of knew rambam by heart by the time he was a, you know a young teenager he said the ramban was his nishoma in other words, the Ramban, Ramban. the Chidusha Ramban started to help him articulate his, his way of thinking of things, his Ramban Anshas. Um, so it's, it's interesting uh, in that way that the same Chaim Salvechik, who recognized how the Ramban was so crucial to his father's thinking, said in a, in a public lecture that I said changed my mind about the Ramban in, in some ways, that the Ramban did not have um, the expansive writer's ability to flesh something out well um, this is what Chaim Salvejik felt now he felt that he, he, he noticed that there are pieces in the Melchamos and pieces in the Chidushim pieces in homish and pieces in the Sefer that are almost carbon copies of each other and the, instead of looking at it the way I had up until that time Nelson looked at it as carefully chiseled out pieces of gold, he felt that the Ramban was shackled by an inability to write um, expansively and uh, in a nuanced way. And therefore, once he had sweated over a certain form, formation of, of text, he just ended up copying it consistently. Um uh, and and and, and he, he felt that he was not a like, like his student. For example, the Rashba is it, it, writing comes much more natural to him, uh, writing and explication and and and. Whereas the Ramban is sort of in, in Chaim Slavetrik's mind. Um, this is it. I can't really explain it further because not because it's like I thought. This is the sod. <laughs> and And if we all have to come back to it and, and get this exact it's because you know he doesn't want to take it he doesn't trust himself to mm. to 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 redo it so um so so I think that yeah. so, so 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 i i like i said you're in very good company here because you are really <laughs> floating in a place that before thisgalaus Hazoar was really the jumping off point for so many people interested in. Uh, and 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 approaching the world from a kabbalistic perspective.
1: Yeah. Okay. okay, is and that?
0: A, is I might, a, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I might. I might add. You know the, that the like one of the critical <laughs> ideas usually associated with the Belshemtov and uh, that of you know Hakadosh Baruch Hu being in hiding and that there's no place that's empty of him, no matter how dark and miserable everything appears. You know, no, no matter how depressed you are, Hakadosh Baruch is there with you in your darkness and your misery and everything so you know that is a that is an idea really that uh, i think we're going to see goes goes back to this piece of the piece of the ramban so it's a it's a um, it's a that has a very long um, you know it's a very long afterlife literally after you know from from parish ramban through other Makubalim through down to down to Belshem tov and Talmudia Belshem. So I think that comes across pretty uh, pretty powerfully.
0: Um, in this but, in this but, particular but, case, but, anyway, but I, I guess what I'm trying to say is is that Chaim Salavitch taught me to to also, um, you know, I, I don't know to be experimental, but also to realize that, you know, because because you you know that you know uh, to view the The lushness of the Ramban, the way I had, as sort of like Zohar like, so mm-hmm. every word was was essential, and you know Chaim is is really arguing that that might not be the case, um, you know it might actually be an awkward way of saying something more simple, um, and uh, that is a. Uh, uh, I and, understand yeah so which again, I, but I think the way you what you're going to do, I think really represents yeah. what represents really the classic understanding yeah. that that the rampan is sort of in a way hurling down his thunderbolts like zeus these are these are essential terminology, essential terminology. <laughs> I was throwing a there a little bit a little bit of a, a lahavdil, you know, yes. um yes, but the point <laughs> is is that this is in other words. It's not just oh, I could have said it differently. This is the it's it's this is the pathway. The Ramban's language Uh, is the pathway.
1: I I take it look I I take it I I don't know if you know I think at least as far as he's concerned over here he's he's being intentionally reticent and and of course we'll never know exactly what he wanted to say unless unless there's a different source that I'm not familiar with which is very likely the case because i'm not a you know i'm not a big bikini type uh, type person but um I, yeah i think there is some something here that he's hinting to that he really doesn't want to say uh out loud too much and i think we're going to see why and and you know maybe maybe this is what he meant and and I, i'm willing to accept that maybe uh you know maybe it's not or at least there's alternative interpretations but um okay. i also i also have quite a quite a strong recollection that actually we heard this or at least I heard this from uh, from Rabbi Menachem Yuni back in the these names of Hashem, as far as the Ramban is concerned, each name is, the name is not just a name, it's not a, um, it's not something that describes or indicates HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's something that reveals HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The name is an aspect of his self-disclosure, okay? And since we're talking Kabbalah, which is something the Ramban never explicitly says, but the the self disclosure is um, something happening in the world of Atzilut. It's the world of Atzilus. It's this this world that that is the world of Hashem's self disclosure. Doesn't have any any actual existence aside from being an act of of self disclosure, right? And specifically, if you are a Navi. Your nevuah comes mediated through a certain name. Now, not, not necessarily or specifically this particular you know bunch of letters, okay? But it comes to you through a a prophetic process, which the letters of the name express the meaning of the name and once you're once you're in touch with the meaning of the name you have some sort of aperture into the world of Atsilus and and you can have basically two ways of two ways of looking in. you can look in either through the cloudy mirror which is what you know which is for most uh or the cloudy window if you like whatever an aspaclaria is you know you can look in you can look in through the cloudy cloudy window and you see things somewhat fuzzy you can look in through the uh through the bright clear window and then you see things you see things as they are now in the world of atsilos everything is a there is nothing, you know, when, when you say milvado," you're talking primarily over there, because obviously, outside the world of Axilus, we certainly perceive things as having an independent existence, you know, and and uh, you know, I exist and you exist and and the planet exists, and you know, it's a lot of there's a lot of things in our universe, and and, and things, you know, exist both in on all different levels of reality they can exist as thoughts or as feelings or as or as objects. You know, but all of these things are here, they're and they're and they're real. To us, to us they're real. But you know, from the point of view of the world of Atzilus, that's not that's not the case. Point of view of the world of Atzilus is nothing is real aside from Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Therefore, if there is anything that's here and appears to exist, there is some sort of there's some sort of contraction or modification or withholding of the reality of the world of Atsilus that causes something to appear as if it's distinct and separate and and uh, kind of like given some kind of independent reality, All right? So to the extent that the light of the world of Atsilus is constricted to that extent, things will appear to be... Um, more solid more discrete more disconnected from each other and if you if you um let's say tighten the aperture on the lens of of you know the window coming out of a you know you'll end up with a completely fragmented world that is that is let's say spiritually dark in other words things don't mean anything nothing really connects with anything else there's no there's no point to anything everything just is right um you know the world is the result of of random forces, and there's no, you know, the as Chazal would say, "less din, less dayon la Okay, but that's what happens when you tighten the aperture to Atzilus all the way. Um, yeah, being is emerging out of there, but it doesn't. But you you miss the, you know, the oyer that is the critical um, there's the the critical nature of the world of Atzilus. If you if you open the aperture. A bit more, so then you'll end up with with keil uh, shakai. In other words, the world is real; it exists, but there's these little channels, little pathways whereby whereby some hashgachah, some some providence, um, can filter through there. You know, there's going to be some pathway through which the uh, relational access between a person and Hakadosh Baruch Hu can can uh, can operate. And if you open up the aperture completely, you get very close to the place where nothing is real. You know, nothing, nothing really is anything. Just like the world of Atzilus exists only so that Hakadosh Baruch Hu can relate and reveal Himself to to the um, to us. In this same way, the whole world itself is now just a, a conduit for which, through which information will flow from Hakadosh Baruch Hu to to the receiver of the of the revelation. So it all depends, you know, it all depends on how much of the light of Atsilos is shining through this this mirror. Is it is it is it is it the bright clear mirror? Is it the is it the cloudy mirror? Or is it the dark mirror, which actually the Ramban never references. I don't think there's a name of Hashem for the for the for the dark mirror. <laughs> Okay. Um but we're we're definitely when you're when you're getting around the anoint mehem, we're dealing, we're getting very close to the to the idea of the of of the dark mirror. So from the dark mirror you get being, but it's disconnected and and uh and um chaotic and meaningless being. And the more you open up the aperture, the more of the you know kaviochal, the light of atzilus you get, and then you get the gradation over there between the name kela shakai and the name and the name um, All
0: right. So one so, thing that yeah. So Esther, let's just get you know. I know where you're building here, and but you know, I just want to um the the what we're trying to explain is that Esther, although she um has in her name the idea of Hesterponim, uh, the idea of things Anochi Aster, Asteris Ponai Bayemahu. Seemingly, that's God speaking about what Esther means. Um, Esther is also um, not just a, a a symptom and a filter, but she represents the possibility of independent or at least thriving, purposeful, Existence that we can actually explain and understand as separate, separate from the Godhead, and that is why Esther is is Esther Malchus. That Esther represents the sphere of Malchus more than 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 what we were talking about. Obviously, Mordechai was, as you said, the idea of Chachma and Bina, um, but Esther is, in a way, the the embodiment of of how this uh symptom uh can happen, and it's almost like we as the ramban says we we should glory in what we discover in the hesterponum because you know um right so I think that's yeah i, I don't know if, if i've if if we jumped over some steps here, but I think that that is right that is really you know you know the point, and I think you know we maybe nothing we could talk about i know that you, you want to make sure that it's fully comprehended um but, but, but I, 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 i'm going to assume that some of this and i don't mean to c- cut it short but i think i mean, some of it is somewhat um you know part of what we hear is almost standard standard right in some ways, yeah so standard this I is mean,
1: this has become this has become very very prevalent very well known and very standard although i i do think that it's presented in such a way that is uh let's say requires clarification in order to be completely, uh, you know, to be completely comprehensible, which no, no, I, no. I try to be as clear as I can about these things, you know?
0: No, no, I wasn't. Um, I, it was not, it, there was no the, impatience with, with, with your explanation. Yeah. I, I I think that what I, what I think we might be in danger of is, 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 veer, is is like veering away from Esther. I know you, you, you did a very, uh, a very solid, um, you know, explanation of how Mordechai within the character in the Megillah. Maybe we can at least right. sketch, like we did. Yeah, with gonna, why don't we sketch now some of the Esther aspects? Right. That, 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 well, okay. So I'm I'm going to I'm I'm going to say um, I'm going to say one
1: thing just to you know bring us up to speed on 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 the meaning of Esther. Right. Is that you know we're, we're, we're talking basically we're talking about something which is a on the borderline of the world of Atsilus and the worlds of bri Sia, and that's malchus malchus tatzillus okay and you know and how malchus tatzillus reveals itself into the, the worlds of bri Sia is going to determine let's say the level of illumination or the level of darkness um that you that you have but ultimately everything really Depends upon the status and the nature and the, and the standing of Malchus Tatzilus up there um, on the you know on the threshold. And, and by the way, Malchus Tatzilus is always a very threshold kind of concept. That's why, like you, you know, it's Machinas mezuzah, By the way, you know, mezuzah is is, is Malchus Tatzilus, the doorway that leads out, or the or the or the doorway that leads in. All right. But you know, like mitzvah like mitzvahs mezuzah, I don't know if I i do believe I've, this is this is said somewhere you know that when you walk through the door in your makai mitzvah mezuzah you walk out there into the world the same Shmir that you have in the house is going with you out of the house because yeah. the whatever the reality is that's within the house aka you go out through malchus you take you take something of that Take something of that with you. So malchus is actually extending through the world of at Sira, all the way down to all the way down to Asia. And there's a malchus to malchus to ASIA that, that lives lives down here. And Esther's personality was associated with that. Um, okay, the fact the fact that she's an orphan, for instance. Okay, which is something which is the point that I guess we have to we have to come back to, right? Um, Another thing that I just want to say, which is also pretty well known today, but it bears it bears repeating, is that the basic philosophy behind all of this is that is that it is not just that God creates a world that exists outside of himself, but that God has manifested his light and his being in the world. Right. So that, you know, the way that you perceive his names Becomes the way the world is, and this could be maybe the way the world is for you or the way the world becomes objectively at certain times at certain times in history but but this is this is the pivotal thing, okay you know this idea of ein oid vadoi, God is the only thing that is real, and therefore this is his reality is what's permeate you know is was what's permeating all of all of reality okay, and just saying that I'm kind of um you know maybe. Maybe come close to summarizing what's happening with what's happening with Esther. You know, throughout throughout history, since Yitzhak Mitzrayim until until this point in ingulus you know, there was something of an aperture open. You know, it's, you could pray, and you could you could get answered. You could you could see Hashgacha in your life. You could you could experience the you know the relational access axis. And and therefore, you know, to some extent, however it was, there was a Giluiponim along along with the regular, you know, standard reality of 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 the world. So maybe it was weaker, maybe it was smaller, but you know, there was you still had neviim and uh, and uh you know there was still My going out with Yiheskal to Golus Bavel, you know, Bahal Makam shagal yisrael she'chinoi Mohem. Okay, that was that was true. Here in the in the case of Shushan at this particular period, it seems that the whole the whole aperture had completely shut down. Okay? and there no there was no longer any you know any gilly at all. It has simply completely gone completely gone dark. Right? And that feeling, which Esther felt very strongly, was the sense of being orphaned. You know, as long, as long as like what's What's the difference in an orphan and a and a and a child who has parents? You know, if you have you have parents, you know who you are, you know where you're connected to. Orphan is disconnected from their source, from their from their origin, and therefore an orphan is likely not to know who, not you know, not have very strong sense of their own identity. I'm just kind of lost. I'm floating around. I don't have any parents. I don't have anybody to to. Show me who I really am, and so an orphan feels empty and dark, and that would be kind of like the standard, you know, the standard uh, emotional situation with with Esther. So Mordechai is tried very hard, I guess, to to help to help uh, help overcome that feeling. You know, vayhi vayhi aymen I guess I can say this b'shem the kamar Rebbe vayhi is is. Mordechai's attempt, not just to have uh, some sort of unification of some sort of yichud with Esther, who he sees as, as being the embodiment of Shekhinah in, in, in Golos, but also to connect her to her origin with the Ovis. Right. And the, the that's why that's why her name is Hadassah because a Hadas has is a Hadas Mshulecious. Right? It's yeah, it has those it has those three leaves on each, you know, on each on each bud. And those three leaves are, are remis to the to the ovis that, you know, you know, you really do have the others within you. You really do have that connection to, to the, you know, to the, to your true origin within you. It's just somehow it's, it's been blocked. You don't feel it. You don't experience, but it's really there. So, so, you know, Mordecai is trying to, you know, encourage her in, you know, in this particular way, or maybe he's, you know, maybe he's doing the usual, making the usual mistake of trying to believe that I can actually fix somebody else, somebody else up, I can like, be the knight in shining armor and be so overwhelmingly positive that, uh,
0: you know, that I'll make you happy. Okay. What's they, interesting is, is that, you know, we, we are used to, you know, the uh, phrase Dawid Ragley Merkova, when we speak about right. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and David. Right, because we, you know, it's 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 many times referred to that David is is obviously Melech Yisrael, and David represents Malchus, um, and mm-hmm. you you know clearly you have the you know you have this jump between you know the three of us, Chesed, Gvurah, Tiferes, of Yaakov, and then you have you know the you know Zerampin is somehow missing, but of course David is represents Malchus. Uh, David Malkus Meshika. What's interesting here is that Esther uh sort of takes that David's role um vis-a-vis and and I think it's crucial to say that although Mordechai you know in the DNA shares some similarity with her because he's you know he's a first cousin with her and but it's I think the important thing is that David is a man, Esther as a woman has a, uh, I think, a more expansive um, s- sense of similarity to the idea of Malchus, that it, just like a woman, is fecundity, growth, um, development, uh, something that can spread, something that is, in for us, the, the giver of life in the world, the giver of more life, the giver of planting life to generations beyond. Esther, as Malchus, as woman, is I think really in a way like a a more stark and real embodiment of the meat of Malchus than has ever really than we've already we've ever, we've ever well, seen. She
1: she would be a better candidate, by the way, for being the fourth the fourth leg of the merkava. Also, that's, that's what I mean. Know, and- because, because, the, yeah, because she's a female. Because she's a woman, because she ruled over I mean, she ruled over a much bigger kingdom than uh than David and ever did, you know, 127 Medinas. And remember the remember the Medrish about uh you know Mazacha, so Sarah or what's the other one? How then, how is that to, to be to be um, queen over 127 Medinas? It's because Sarah lived for 127 years. So so you have you know the wife of Avraham Avinu is a much better candidate for, for fleshing out the Merkova than, than, than David. Um, so I, I but I have to leave that as a question because there's, there's still something kind of unclear. Generally there's a big problem with David as the, as the fourth regular of the Merkova and you know, like, how does, it must be a very strange, you know, it must be a very strange chair with like, you know, with three legs, and maybe the fourth leg is over here or maybe it's over there. How does that actually, how does that actually fit together? Um, but anyway, I'll call upon him. I, I I think that one one could say that as long as as long as the malchus is run by a melech, okay, there's some there's some sense of the aperture that lets not just being out in its in its disconnected sense, but also allows the light of atzilus out, which is which is the critical thing for you know the relational access between us and Hakadosh Baruch Hu.
0: Uh, you know, because, I, 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 I think it's born and, out
1: and, and and right and, and there and therefore you have David Hamelach, so okay, we said it's Malchus, which is feminine, but there's a male there's a male person sitting in the in the in the chair. You know. When you when you have when you have Esther who is the female embodiment
0: of Malchus, she got a big Malchus. Okay. Right. Well, she but, isn't just a trophy wife. The story indicates that she is shows her power. I mean it, the power seems to be um centralized or at least zeroing in on what the Jewish people are doing right. but but we I think we the fact that she's called Hamalka um shows and whatever you want to say about the history of who vashti was she this was a somewhat of a power sharing relationship uh it wasn't just the yeah. ceremonial queen, which again is interesting that 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 they that they had that uh they had that concept well, let's just
1: in, let's just let's let's just say like this okay i mean this is and this should be pretty clear to anybody who you know has studied a little bit of history um in you know in any any monarchical situation the queen is highly 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 powerful because assuming that she's got a good relationship with the with the king okay and they talk to each other. Right. And, you know, women have their ways of getting what they want out of men, you know, and, you know, queens are queens are no different. So if if there's if there's a particular problem that I want solved, you know, sometimes instead of going to the king, which is going to be a little, little bit hard to get to and might not, you know, might not give me the time of day, I can go to the queen and the queen can propose the thing to the king and make it make it happen. So, I mean, these these queens have always been extremely powerful people um unless they you know unless they made unless they fell out of favor or or they you know they they and in, intentionally you know refused to get involved in in politics but most of the time they were deeply involved in politics right,
0: would yeah, right well, wouldn't
1: wouldn't be otherwise mm-hmm. so you know so yeah esther esther was not you know was not a, a, a shall we say a you know a schmata Queen. She was. She had. She had power and she had authority. And and you know, you can tell from the stuff that she did in terms like when she's confronting Haman, for instance. You know, she's she has the ability to be quite to be to be quite forceful and assertive. You know, and know how to set things up. So yes, you you know, you definitely have a powerful female figure here. But in terms of you know, in terms of the of this sense of malchus where the presence of Hashem is there because the light of Atsilus is there because you have some revelation of the idea that everything that exists is an extension of God's being, that that awareness is shut off. And in that sense she is she is an orphan. Sure. And or, or the, the, the way the, the way the Kamar Rebbe has the has line about Ki av aim, right? It's not, you know, it's not that she doesn't have a father and no a mother. It's, it's the it's the ayin you know, it's the Bikina of of non existence of Bitul, which is her father and her mother. And then there's then there then, then the Pasit goes back and repeats itself, you know, Via when her mother and father died. So I mean that, so the Quran actually has a very good sush tells to, you know, why do you have those why do you have those two Lashinas? But anyway, what he what he basically says is that is that this, this light which would ordinarily be shining through Malchus into Briya Yitzirasya has you know has risen back up to its source in Ayin and Kezer, and that's why and that's why it's not it's not communicating down and the The big challenge over here is that is that in order to open up the aperture in order to draw something forth from the world of Atsilus you still have to create a Yichud down here this is this is where the action happens this is where we have free will. You know, and you have to do some kind of tikkun, whether it's a davening, or whether it's it's a, it's a doing some kind of mitzvah, or whether it's doing something with with some kind of kavana, you know, like vihi oimin as hadasa, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which which uh, which, according to the kamarner, is like is like answering omen with kind of with some kind of with some kind of kids are, There's something that you have to do here, and the question is, can you do it when? The whole principle of Atsilus isn't even here. Like here you are, you're in the dark, everything is disconnected, everything is meaningless. What can you do here? Because objectively, there's nothing to do. Objectively, it's all Hester of Panem. Objectively, Hakadish Hu is not here. And how do you and, and, and how do you take action in order to open up the world of Atsilus again, under those circumstances, when all you have to do, all you have to work with is this stuff down here, okay? And we don't feel HaKadosh like Baruch here we don't sense it, there's nothing, you know, it's all, everything's shut down. And the big chiddish of Mordechai and Esther, both of them, is that you have to take responsibility for acting in terms of what you know to be true on the sublime level. You can tell yourself philosophically that this must be the presence of Hashem must still be there. That gives you the right to act and to make the and to do the tikkunim and do the chudim and make it happen. All right, and that would be the chidush of of the of the idea of Hester Ponim. Okay, it's that it's that you as an individual person, you, you know, you have the freedom and you have the right to act as if you perceive these things as if these things were real to you, and. If you can act as if then you can make it real, and thats and that's what you that's what we have to get out of of, uh, of you know that's what we have to get out of the story of the Megillah and the nest of poor basically
0: yeah so, I, I would say that you know just to um emphasize just based on the psukim themselves, obviously we talked about Akashverosh being uh, a's um, voracious, and we talked about him right. but but you realize and we talked about Haman being Midas hadin. So check this passage out. Now Now she gets the base human, right? She gets right. the base human. And then Esther gives the base human to Mordechai. Right? Right. The 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 by the base right? And 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 again remember. Achashvaresh keeps on repeating that. He says, um, we know Mordechai seems to take over that bias. I mean, that's the implication. Esther doesn't yeah. need Esther doesn't need another house, but Mordechai can't get the bias without Esther having it. In other words, the base human, which is Midas um, the the base, the bias where that all occurs. The interactions, mm-hmm. the interplay, it has to be gone. It has to be from Malk, from Kesser or or from Atikyimin, uh, you know, or whatever Achashverosh is, has to be to Esther. Esther, more again, my point is, why can't he just give it to to Mordechai? The answer is, is that the base Haman, which is more than just you know a pleasure palace and a nice little apartment, you know, with a great view of the Shushan downtown shopping district. What it is is the idea of of of, of, of where Midasadin plays out, the base Haman. And that has to be given, in other words, the control of that has to be given to Esther. Now it's true, Mordechai lives in it. Mordechai influences it. Mordechai is, 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 is a crucial dynamic player, but it has to go through sort of like the birth canal of Esther in order for that bias to, to register. Oh. I think there's a lot to be said about that. Maybe we'll do this next. Uh, right, but what I'm saying is, is I think week. that you, we'll talk but, a little bit about Haman, and you, you can know. see, like I said, that Esther, you know, you know, she has that role, and I think also part of why she is the. I, I, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we started discussing the the story level of this Megillah, we mentioned how Mordechai's character arc is very flaccid and undynamic. And how Esther is really the key dynamic character in in the Megillah, more than anyone else. She's the one who starts off and grows and develops, right? And and, and we we see her, she gets her name as Basavichael as she is about to approach the Melech for the first time uh, and to disp- and to sort of woo him and do her thing, which is really doing her thing, as I said, the very first, when we talked about Zoros, isn't just perform sexually, but actually perform organically to actually be involved in the life force. The, the sexual act is, is really the, 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 the shell of, of life generation, which is what Esther is about. And she comes into her own as a, as a human being, as, as that is as, as, as realized whatever her life was before that. So my point is, is that this, this, this heroine, uh, Esther of, of the story, um, it makes sense that, that she is the one who goes through, who changes, who expands, mm-hmm. who becomes, because ultimately we can't move without that. We can't move without Without that, embodiment um, um, oh, yeah. of malchus tazilus, mm-hmm. which becomes zeroing in on malchus diasia. That's really the 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 ultimate dynamism of why the world is moving towards where it is, in order to right. be magawa quote malchus in the world and through the recognition of, right. So I think yeah, I mean at, at
1: best at best Mordechai can be a catalyst. Okay, but he but. Um... He's not the one that can make this happen. This is a transformation that has to happen within 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 Malchus Tatsilos up there, but but practically speaking, it has to really begin in down with Malchus Tatsia. Because Malchus, now there's this, you know, there's this concept of Mayanukvin, Mayendukwin, you know, you have the you have the influence that rises and the influence that comes down. So you know, so so Mordechai has his, you know, his his function is basically on the on the side of Mayan uh, mind He's the he's the the Shefa that descends, but he has to unify himself with this with this Mayan which is the which is the the Shefa that that ascends that goes that goes up from this world, All right? And part of you know. There's there's the, actually this altercation between you know Mordechai and Esther. Mordechai says you know go, go see the king, go do this, do this, do this. You know he's trying to tell her what to do, okay. And 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 Esther, even though Esther seems to to uh, to concede to it, but she actually does do something different. I mean you know she institutes the the fast days and and she takes much greater control over how the process is is going to happen. That's something that you pointed out in previous previous talk. So. <laughs> There's there's a there's a point to that because Esther really is the one who has to return to herself, and there's only so much returning to yourself that you can do simply because somebody else is a fantastic therapist. You know, it's really it re, it really is up to you to connect to your inner self and and undergo that get oh that undergo that movement. Um, anyway, I'll call upon him since we're going to be next
0: week or.